So here's the question. Help me out. If this day of fasting and prayer could be, let's just say, it it is a global event. Every church that you and I know is involved in this day of fasting and prayer. What do you suppose should be the number one request that we would lift up as a petition to the throne of Almighty God? What should every church on earth be united in asking? Just one. You don't get two. You don't get three. You only get one. What should that one be? And I ask that in, in the context of, this, of these times in which we're living. I mean, can you believe this, this hour of our journey? So I had to go down to uh, Texas. Sad journey to bury our dear, very dear next door neighbor, June Bascom. The hotel room, the morning of the funeral, hanging on the door. USA Today. I never see USA Today, but here it is. The moment I opened it up, I said, oh my, isn't that something? Let me open it up for you so you can see above the fold the headlines. Isn't that something? What does it say? World of troubles. World of troubles for the U.S. And the subtitle, Obama returns from the Memorial Day holiday. All right, he returns. This is Tuesday. This week. World of trouble. And then, to accentuate it, three parallel columns dropping down. You see the, you see the hands with the blue gloves? What would, that, what would that crisis be right now? That's a no-brainer, isn't it? That's the BP oil spill. Big piece on the BP oil spill. Continued on the next page. Middle column. Can you see it there? Tensions on the Korean Peninsula. North and South Korea. Third column all the way to your right. There it is. Israel, Gaza, Palestine all over again. And by the way, not a a word about Afghanistan, not a word about Iraq, not a word about the, the economic meltdown we're in. And the mounting, cascading national debt. Not a word. Given the world we're in right now. So here's the question. Given this world, if every church on earth could unite for one prayer request, only one, what should be the prayer request that we all would unite to ask for? Hmm? I'm thinking about this ancient prophet. Talking about crises lined up. They're like this. It's like they're circling over the airport. They're waiting to land on the tarmac one after the other. Crisis for him and his people. I'm thinking of this ancient prophet. I'm going to read these words to you from the prophet. And afterward, he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate which faces toward the east. And then I heard him speaking to me from the temple while a man stood beside me. And he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I dwell in the midst of the children of Israel. I'm thinking of this prophet, this ancient prophet. Could it be the clue to what we all ought to be praying for tucked away in that dusty old passage? I want to go to that passage with you right now. Open your Bible, please, to the... The old book of Ezekiel. Find the book of Ezekiel, will you? We hardly ever go to the book of Ezekiel, but I want you to go today, please, with me. What would be the one...
passionate, shared intercessory prayer request that we collectively ought to be lifting to God. Go to Ezekiel chapter 43. If you didn't bring a, you didn't bring a Bible, you've got to see this for yourself. Grab the Pew Bible in front of you. It's page 590. Today it's going to be the same translation as the translation I hold in my hand. And let me just tell you that I am so excited to be holding this translation in my hand. I want you to take a good look at this Bible. Can we get a camera up on it? This is the brand new. I mean, we're talking brand new. This ink is, is, is just barely dry. This is the brand new Andrews Study Bible. We've been waiting for this for three years. My friend Ron Knott and a team of scholars have been pouring over Scripture to write the study helps. I just got this last night. I couldn't even go to sleep. I had to look at this Bible. I want to tell you something. You've got to get this Bible. It's going to be released at the General Conference session coming up in Atlanta. Get this Bible. By the way, I want to say to those of you that should be in first service, usually, that this type size is perfect. You're going to be very happy. Thank you, Ron. Nice selection. Oh, you're going to be happy to have this Bible. The helps by all by scholars that you know, they're all listed. So I'm going to be in the New King James today. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 43. Let's just read verse 2. See if you can find this one passionate intercession... Intercession that God would have all of us pray together. Only one, not two, only one. Ezekiel 43, verse 2. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. The earth shone with his glory. Karen and I were taken off from Johannesburg back in December after spending a couple of weeks in South Africa preaching. Coming back, and you know when you come back from South Africa, those of you that live in South Africa know, you're going to fly into the night. Middle of the night, I'm looking out this black window on the mighty African continent below, and then every now and then, out of that midnight darkness, there would emerge the sparkling orange grids of some city on the continent. Bright, glittering diamond of orange. Then, a few moments later, back to the inky darkness of that midnight. I'm telling you what, when Ezekiel is given this vision, he's not shown a little orange blot in the midst of a midnight of darkness. No, 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 no. When Ezekiel is given the vision, the whole vision is orange. It's all set ablaze, glittering in the light of a rising sun. My, oh my. Read it again with me, will you? And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. This has to be a sunrise. has to be a sunrise. Because what always, what always comes, what light always banishes our midnight from the east? It's always the sun. It's always the sun. And the glory, behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with His glory. I love that line. Focus your mind on it for a moment. The earth shone with His glory. What's going on here? And what does it have to do with our praying for Atlanta in three weeks? What does it have to do with you and me and this day of fasting and prayer? I want to remind you, Ezekiel was not the only prophet allowed to witness the glory of the Almighty God. Arguably the greatest intellect in the history of humanity, himself once begged, begged. Please give me that honor. 
In the words of Charles Dickens, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Emphasis on the worst of times when you're talking about the chosen. You know what? You would, have, you would think in the midst of this, this meltdown that's going on, you'd think that Moses would have something more urgent to be asking God. But oh no, this is what Moses asked God. Exodus 33. I remind you, this community of faith that he's been appointed to lead is now awash in the stench and miasma of the fallen culture they've been called out of. They're having a moral meltdown in Exodus 33. And Moses comes to God. And I want you to, I want you to hear God first. Because God says, you know what, Moses? This is crazy. I don't need these people. You don't need me. I tell you what, you go to the promised land. I'll stay back here in the wilderness. Let's see how you do. And Moses goes to his face and says, oh God, you can't do that. If you don't go, I'm not going. We're not going. You have to go with us. I beg of you, you must go with us. And then God speaks. Watch this. Exodus 33, verse 17. Put it on the screen there. God speaks to Moses. See it on the screen? So the Lord said to Moses, Okay. All right, you talk me into it. Of course, all he's doing is just drawing out the heart of this very intimate friend of his. All right, God says, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Isn't that great? The God of the universe knows you by name. Sometimes we think, you know, when we come to God, it's a matter of getting through the whole crowd that's in front of us. And finally we get up there and he says, you know, the face is familiar, but I can't remember the name. I know you by name. I know you by name. You talk me into it. We'll do it together. And then Moses, emboldened by God, saying, I know you by name. Look at, look at, look at what Moses uh, cries out here in Exodus 33, verse 18. And Moses, here's the rejoinder. And Moses said to God, please show me your glory. Isn't that amazing? Please. Show me your glory. I tell you what, if leaders could pray but one prayer together, what's wrong with that prayer? Show me. Show me your glory. It's the kind of leader I'd like to have lead me, wouldn't you? I guess they're going to elect leaders for the next chapter. God, get them to leaders. Just like that. Who beg to see your glory. Show me your glory. Oh, look at this. Here it is again. Ezekiel 43, verse 2. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone. The earth shone with His glory. You see, Ezekiel wasn't the only prophet that was given a vision that prayed for the glory of God. Ezekiel, Moses. Guess what? Here comes Habakkuk. Habakkuk, who's a minor little prophet with a major message before the time of Ezekiel. Let's put Habakkuk talking about crises lining up and landing on the tarmac one after the other. That's the time of Habakkuk, just like ours, by the way. Habakkuk chapter 1. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There's strife and contention arises. we got one crisis after another, God. What's going on? Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment 
proceeds. We're in a heap of trouble down here, God. Have you bothered to notice? God lets Habakkuk vent. And then the God of the universe responds back to him in chapter 2. Look at this, chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me. Because Habakkuk's writing this. Then the Lord answered me. And he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. I know your hope is growing growing weary. I know your vision of eternity is petering out, but though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then God speaks the familiar words. Behold the proud. The proud man. His soul is not upright in him. But I want to tell you something, Habakkuk. Listen to me clearly. The just, read this out loud with me, the just shall live by faith. You can't quit on me, Habakkuk. Don't quit on me. Hang on with raw faith, naked faith. You keep believing in me. Though it looks like the vision is over and I'm never coming, you hang on. You hang on by faith. The just shall live. By faith. Because here comes Habakkuk. As I promised Moses, as I will promise Ezekiel, I'm promising you. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. I'm telling you, Habakkuk, the earth is one day going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters, isn't that something? As the waters cover the sea. We're not talking about a little inky black canvas with a little blotch of orange here and a blotch of orange. No, the day is coming when the whole planet will be orange with the fire of a final sunrise. Wow. I beg of you, God, I beg of you, show me your glory, which is precisely what Ezekiel, Habakkuk, and Moses were granted. Read it again. Chapter 43 in Ezekiel, verse 2, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with His glory. You know who this is, don't you? I mean, come on, you recognize it, don't you? Have you ever, heard, have you ever, ever read that description whose voice sounded like the roar of many waters? Have you ever read that? I tell you what, it's straight, it's straight out of the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. Or should we say, Revelation is straight out of Ezekiel. Because John, on that hazy Sabbath afternoon, you remember that, John? Sitting on old man John on the Isle of Patmos. When all of a sudden he hears this blast of a trumpet behind him. And he says, I heard the voice of many waters speak. You know who this is? This is none other than Christ Himself being described. And by the way, we don't have to guess. Because Revelation hook, line, and sinker grabs this line and just yanks it into the heart of the apocalypse. Look at Revelation chapter 18. You know, the, as, as Adventists, we're all excited about the three angels, and we ought to be, but I'm telling you what, there is a fourth angel, and this is about the fourth angel. We ought not to learn about three angels and not be reminded about the fourth angel. Here it is, Revelation 18.1. And after these things, the old man John writes, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was what? Was illuminated with His glory. There it is, and the earth shone. The earth was illuminated with His glory. Whose glory, by the way? Is it the glory of the angel? 
You think it's the glory of that angel? I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, angels, you know how much glory angels have? Zero, not a nothing. They're just like you and me. We're the moon. If you took the sun out of, out of the sky, how much light would the moon have? Nothing. No innate glory. That glory has to belong to one from whom it emanates. There's no angel. That's Christ Himself. Mercy, the whole earth. The glory of Jesus Christ will flood this earth from sea to shining sea, from land to sprawling land, one last time at the end of time. How do we know this is the end of time? Because right after verse 1 comes verse 2, Babylon is fallen. Is fallen. And has become the foul cage of every putrid spirit. Come out of her, my people. Then the end. So just before the return of Christ. Isn't that amazing? One last time. The glory of God poured out. And Habakkuk says the whole earth, like sea to shining sea. Awash in orange. And where will this glory best be seen? Before the wall came down in in, uh, East Berlin, West Berlin, 1988. I had the privilege of going over to uh, Germany after a youth congress in uh, Denmark. And a friend of mine, Stefan Brass, who's still pastoring in Germany, he took me in. We had to go into uh, East Germany, communist country. Got into West Berlin, like we're back in the West. But Stefan says, well, I'm going to take you to Checkpoint Charlie. We're going to go through Checkpoint Charlie. Some of you old-timers remember that name. We're going to go through Checkpoint Charlie. They're going to let you into the communist regime-controlled East Berlin. Because I want to show you something. And we've got to get there by noon. I wonder, what, what, what is Stefan so urgent about? Took that train underground, finally emerged, and he said, I want you to see that. You've seen a golf ball on top of a tee? Golf ball on top of a tee, that's what this looked like. It's a, it was a massive complex of media, radars, and instrumentation wrapped up in that geometrically shaped round dome at the top of the tee. And I tell you what, the East Germans were so proud of that towering creation, except for one small detail that drove them to frenzy. In fact, they tried to correct the detail by changing the glass on the outside, changing the configuration of the glass, but nothing they could do could get rid of what happened once that communication tower ascended into the heavens. And every day at noon, you could see it if there were no clouds in the sky and the sun shined down on that round dome, you could see it. A golden cross for all the world to see. Atheist regime can't get rid of the cross shining beneath the glory of the sun. Where does this glory come from? Where does this glory come from? This glory of the one whose voice is the sound of thunderous water. Where does it come from? Uh, Galatians 6.14. How's it read? God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ Jesus my Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, Calvary is the very heart of divine glory, isn't it? Since mine eyes have gazed on Jesus, I've lost sight of all besides. So enchained my spirit's vision, gazing on the crucified. There's the glory. There's the glory. 
The glory of God, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says, the glory of God shines in the face of the Lord Jesus. There's the glory that fills this planet. So, back to the question. I have to repeat it. If we would convene a single simultaneous prayer meeting on this planet in all 24 time zones, and we could join together in only one solitary prayer request, okay, not two, not three, only one, what should that one be? Let me read you the words of another prophet written a century ago. Put it on the screen for you. Take a look at this. Could there be a convocation of all the churches of earth? The object of their united cry should be for what? Call it out to me. For what? For the Holy Spirit. If there's just one, the object of the united convocation should be the cry for the Holy Spirit. When we have Him, Christ, our sufficiency is ever-present. We shall have every want supplied. We shall have the mind of Christ. Can't you see it? That prophetic vision that sees the planet set ablaze one last time. What's it set ablaze with? That's the outpouring of the Spirit. That's the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, does He draw attention to Himself? To whom does He always direct the attention? To whom? To Jesus Himself. Christ. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the orange fire that wraps this earth one last time in a sea of divine glory. Man. Oh, man. I want to be there that day. That outpouring takes place, don't you? I want to be there that day. Ezekiel 43, Revelation 18, predict a final just before the end. Outpouring of the Spirit of glory. I tell you why, folks, this isn't rocket science to figure out why God would want this right at the end. Now you think about it. Do the arithmetic. This is not rocket science. It is humanly impossible. It is humanly impossible for us to do what we've been asked to do. Reach a single generation within a generation. Let me give you the numbers again in case you forgot them. Every second on this planet, four babies are born. I just went to visit the little Karskelin baby that was born uh, Wednesday night. So that was one of them for one second. Every second on this planet, four babies are born. Boom, boom, boom. Two in China, and then the other two around the world. (laughs) Every second, four babies are born, and every second, two human beings expire or die. All right? Sad, but it's true. Every second. Which leaves us a net growth of how many per second? Two. Which means that in six days, you'll have a million. And in one year, you will have 60 million. 60 million new people are added to, this, to the roles of this planet every single year. Now, we're going to go down to Atlanta, aren't we? And they're going to bring out the big pageantry, hallelujah, and we're going to praise God for what He's done this past year. And they're going to give, somebody's going to get up to that microphone and announce new numbers, 14 million, 15 million, 16 million, 17, 18, maybe they go 19, 20. I don't know what the number will be, but I want to tell you something. If they get to 20, within 12 months, three times that amount will have been added to the human race. Do you understand that it is humanly impossible For 20 million people to impact 6.7 billion. So, 
That's why. This is a rocket science. That's why at the end of time, God steps in and He says, I have exactly what you need. I will set the whole planet ablaze one last time. And you will open your mouths. And the whole world will know. That's what Revelation 18 is about. That's what Ezekiel 43 is about. And how effective will it be? Same author a century ago. Let me just put this line up there on the screen for you. How effective will it be? So abundantly will the renewing Spirit of God have crowned with success the intensely active agencies that the light of present truth will be seen flashing everywhere. Postmodern West, postmodern East. 1040 window. And all around that window, everywhere, the light will flash, flash from sea to shining sea. The finishing of the work, as we are wont to call it, is simply the filling of the earth. Not with the glory of this church. This church has no glory. You have no glory. I have no glory. Can't be us. It'll have to be Christ Jesus Himself. The glory of God shining in His face. That's how the work gets finished. That's how the mission is accomplished. It's no wonder that if this is the only way our divine mission can ever be fulfilled, it is no wonder the servant of God once declared that if you could convene a single day of fasting and prayer on this planet in every time zone, you have only one request, only one you ask. You ask for the Spirit. Because when you have the Spirit, you have Christ. You have everything. Ask. Luke eleven thirteen. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Ask. Ask me. I'm not giving it unless you ask. Ask me. Oh, look at the same author again. We need to pray as we have never prayed before for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For if there ever was a time when we needed this baptism, it is now. There is nothing the Lord has more frequently told us He would bestow upon us and nothing He would be more glorified in bestowing than the Holy Spirit. And because that was their united prayer in the upper room, Pentecost happened. And by the way, it happened once, and then it happened again, and it happened again because one filling is never enough. It happened. With Ron Knott, the one behind the study Bible, had the privilege of standing in the, what archaeologists are certain is the same upper room where Pentecost took place. I want to tell you something. It was, it was just like, it was awesome to pray there, to worship there. Ladies and gentlemen, if I read my Bible correctly, according to Ezekiel 43 and Revelation 18, it's going to happen one more time. One more time. So on this day of fasting and prayer, if we had but one request, what is it we should ask for? What is it we should ask for? The Holy Spirit. That'll handle the unity issues. That'll handle the mission and evangelism issues. That'll handle the revival and reformation issues. That'll handle the general conference session. One gift 
for all. And so we have this day of fasting and prayer right now. It makes all the sense in the world to me that we ought to start asking right now. Doesn't it make sense to you to do the same? I wonder if you do this. Would you, would you mind kneeling with me? Let's just kneel together. And join me. You hear these words being ascending to heaven. If they reflect something of your heart longing, just, just put that amen in your whispered partnership in this prayer. Oh God, we live on a planet in the crosshairs of every imaginable crisis somebody keeps dreaming up. Who would have guessed three months ago that some hole in the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico could begin to reshape life in that region again? And the ripple effect, dear God, the economy, Europe, Greece, the United States, the United Kingdom, we're all in this together. Spiraling. The brightest minds on earth trying to find a solution. And we keep coming up empty. Holy Father, in the midst of a world like Ezekiel's and Habakkuk's and John's, we also live. Oh God, are You serious? Are You serious that at the end of time You will unleash the Holy Spirit and explode Your glory around this planet if that's true. And something deep in our souls tells us it is. Then, oh God, we have but one prayer to ask of You. Would You please, please, show us Your glory by filling us with the Holy Spirit. We're not worthy. God, look at us. We are not worthy. We're not even worthy to bow in Your presence. But Calvary, where Your glory shines in all its splendor, Calvary has promised us that we could come boldly to Your throne of grace and that You would give better than the best parent we can imagine. You would give the Holy Spirit to them who ask. And so, Holy Father, we're asking. Not once. Not twice. But we want to ask and ask and ask again. Please, fill us with the fullness of the gift of Your Spirit for the glory, only for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Let all the people say, Amen.
エラーメン。